Blog Talk Radio. Let me tell you about something new. A new show called G's Power. G's Power. Real talk for real saints. Are you ready? And it's for real. Welcome to G's Power Hour live every weekday at 11.30 a.m. on Never Had It So Good Entertainment Network. Your host, G, will bring you informative and entertaining guests and a variety of topics in a way that you can absorb and enjoy. Listen in weekdays and call in at 516-387-1944. We love interaction. All shows can be downloaded if you miss one or found on iTunes the next day. G's Power Hour is powered by Never Had It So Good Sports Media Network. Well, good morning, brothers and sisters, kings and queens, angels and saints. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to G's Power Hour on Never Had It So Good Entertainment. I am your host, G. Thanks so much for being with us today. And today is a very special day around the country. Um, The first Thursday of May is designated as the National Day of Prayer. Um, It's an annual day of observance designated by the United States Congress. Um, When people are asked to turn to God in prayer and meditation, uh, the president is required to sign, uh, by by law, to sign a proclamation each year encouraging all Americans to pray on this day. So, you know, maybe if, you know, you've been lax, maybe you've wanted to change how you pray or or why you pray, um, whatever the the you know reason is, and it doesn't necessarily have to be a reason. It's a good time to uh, talk about prayer and to share prayer, and that's what we're going to do today. Um, and we have some guests. And before we get started, I want to share with you uh, the 2023 National Day of Prayer that uh, was designated by uh, the task force this year, uh, the 2023 National Prayer for America. We come to you with fervent hearts to praise you, Lord. You are the way, you are the word, the way, truth, and life. The Alpha and Omega, Lion of Judah, Almighty God, who was and is and is to come. You clothed yourself in flesh and dwelt among us to remove our sin and clothe us in your righteousness that we might dwell with you forever and ever. With broken humbled hearts, we repent of our sins, confessing to you our faithfulness, prayerlessness, and disobedience. Forgive us for our doubt, our prideful and quarrelsome words that reveal our unclean hearts. Cleanse us and renew a right and steadfast spirit within us, we pray. With grateful hearts, we thank you fervently for the blessings in our lives and throughout America. They are more than we are able to count. We will remember your grace and testify to your goodness in all generations. Help us to refrain from complaining, but instead be prompted to pray faithfully in every circumstance. Teach us to have a content heart, knowing that you are always enough for our every need. As the church, we commit to pray and and love our neighbor and nation as you loved us that our reputation in this world would be rooted in your love. Holy Spirit, work and overflow through us in every prayer, thought, word, and deed. 
May our character, conversations, and conduct reflect the righteousness in which you clothed us and command us to live. With an obedient heart, we put on the full armor of God. Your breastplate of righteousness guards our heart from which flows the springs of life. We pray fervently for our communities and country, the people who are in the church, family, education, business and workplace, military, government, entertainment, arts, and media. Every person is in your workmanship, fearfully and wonderfully created and loved. With hopeful hearts, we pray that all would choose to receive your love and follow you. We pray that America would confess Jesus is Lord and reflect your righteousness in every sphere of influence and in every aspect of our lives. We ask that heavenly hope would flood our hearts, silence hate, and that you will heal our land. Believing you, all you are, all you said, and all you have promised, we pray fervently in righteousness and avail much. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. And we have guests on with us this morning to share prayer and to to talk about our need for prayer at this time, uh, especially uh, with all of the the violence and and specifically gun violence in our nation. So we bring back Minister Neil Jones and Pastor Reginald Holmes. Good morning, gentlemen. How are you? Good morning. All is well. All is well. Thank you for having me this morning. Good morning. Good morning. So um, there's a scripture behind that prayer, and you probably heard it, or it might have been more than one as we were going. So can you talk about the scripture that this derived from, or scriptures, about praying fervently? Yeah. Well, there was a couple of scriptures that came to mind where the prayer came from. And uh, what did come to mind, as you add, what did come to mind is where <clears throat> different places in the Bible where prayers like that were prayed, it was often or at times it was at, uh, prayed when there was trouble in the land, you know, when there was things going on, when there was um, <clears throat> oppression, and there was different kind of military or political stand standoff that put the people at at a different at a position where they can only depend on God, and where they only where they only should have depended on God. To pinpoint exactly which one, um, at this point, it, it, it what scripture it is is, is, is um, for me it just I'm not saying it doesn't matter. But the overall theme rung hard rung hard for me because it's what we need right now. We have to depend and trust in God, like like seriously, like, like never before. Um, mm-hmm. the way that the violence of, that that the people are experiencing everywhere, and how quickly and how easily it's being videoed and portrayed to everyone, and we don't think about the seed that puts in someone's head or someone's mind when they see someone getting choked out on the train or these mad shoes and stuff like that. It's it's um we need God, we need God. We need God in every way. And <clears throat> with respect to all religions and beliefs, the only way we're going to get any kind of peace that we're going to be able to share is the peace of God. So um, it's, it's, it's tough. My heart's a little heavy. My heart's a little heavy, especially with what, what, ha- what happened yesterday in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what, 
you know, and because I, I got friends who were affected by that. So it's um it's a it's a big thing for me today. So I'm very sorry to hear about that. So I guess what I what struck me as curious just initially, even before the prayer, that this is a nationally designated day, which is interesting to me given that there's so much talk about the separation of church and state, but then you have mm. a state-designated day of prayer, which means to me, you know, that uh, I think there's only so much separation that you can have before you recognize right. that you have to call on on God when all else fails. Um, but like you said, I think right now it's extremely important. Um, but why do you think that this was designated? Why do you think there was a call? by government to have this kind of day? Because one thing about government, regardless of the agenda they are trying to portray and as a whole or individual state, there's somebody on every staff who understands that God is real. Whether they want to acknowledge the the almighty God or that he has a plan, that's different. But they understand that this whole thing is ran by something bigger than any person. And to acknowledge that, is the right thing to do um, in this country, predominantly a Christian country, which which the roots of this country were said to be built off of. It's a whole different story of whether whether they actually applied the actual love of God and things of that nature. This this country was built from the Bible, and at one point in this country, uh, being from a Christian household and holding Christian um, pillars up was something that was saluted, and if you didn't hold that up as a Christian, then you were looked upon or frowned upon. Granted, that was in the 40s and 50s and 60s and even throughout the 70s, times truly have changed. But I do believe that the root of what this country is built on has not been lost when it, when it comes down to being found in the Bible. And we also have to thank great people like um, the late, uh, the late uh, Pastor Billy Graham, who stood there and was the aide to president for over 40 years you know, through those times. And he was the one who helped make sure that the money that we have today still stays in God we trust. He was a part of that administration's team to help put that on there. And I think the little little uh, details like that of people having something to say and making sure that we are, that Christians are acknowledged, that hasn't gone, that hasn't left. And they have made sure that there's someone who has a voice to, to voice that, hey, we still need to honor National Day of Prayer because it's still needed and prayer still works. And you know you have local, local, um, local and, and statewide things. They honor other, you know, honor the Jews as well and Muslims and other things as well. But that prayer, country's not gonna let that go. They're not gonna let that go at all. They're gonna hold on to that for a long, long, long time. So, I guess the first question is, for well, I won't say first question, but one question would be. How does a person pray, especially if they really haven't taken the time to do it before or if they have questions about whether or not they've been doing it right or wrong? Is there a right or wrong in how a person prays? 
I, I would say no. I would say no uh, when when you start off. In the beginning of it, if someone is not sure how to pray and they're not sure what to say, where to look, where to hold their hands, should they bow to a knee, get on both knees, I would say <clears throat> for the beginner, someone who's trying to trying to pray or attempt to pray, talk to God. Talk to God like you would talk to someone on the phone. Talk to him. And when you do pray, it doesn't have to be long. It doesn't have to be loud. It doesn't have to be, you know, uh, it, have to, it does not have to be a performance. Have a sincere, intimate conversation with the Almighty God. And you will be amazed how quick and how precise God will answer you. And you can pray for 30 seconds. Just align your heart and your mind and say, God, I'm coming to you. I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm going to. I want to try this prayer thing out. Start there. And then once you continue that relationship with prayer, before you know it, that 30 seconds will turn to 30 minutes because you'll feel more comfortable talking to God. And you'll have some kind of confidence built to know that God is listening to you, that he's responding to you. And he may not come in an audible voice for you, for that person who's starting off the prayer or those who've been praying and still looking for how God is going to speak. Like he's not, He may not crack the sky and talk to you. But when you start praying and you leave your prayer time, that individual will start to see that God is speaking speaking to them through all of his creation. God is speaking to them through songs. He's speaking to them through uh, branches of love, like, like this interview, like this, like this radio station. God is speaking, in, I mean, all over. And before you know it, as you keep talking to God, you start seeing God in everything and everywhere, you know, and then you will want to know him more. And, of course, as you get to pray more you get to read the, you get to read your word more and thank god for this awesome tool of the internet that you can just type in how to pray or scriptures to pray and google will give them to you right there if you have a siri or alexis i love my alexis at the house alexis what's the scripture today alexis you know they do it right along with you you do it with it so start there now being a i want to say being a church baby of course they tell you, you know the bible says this go in the room do this listen Pray. Talk to God, and with time, God will show you and train you and build you up to have an awesome prayer life. So do you So do you have, like, in your home, because, you know, we know that you have your sanctuary, but at home, do you have a designated prayer space? And that's probably going to be different for Everybody, but the and I've been you know, every, off and on. I've been trying to let's say create one and <laughs> get uh-huh. lost in the minutiae <laughs> of everything that <laughs> that happens in the house. And in fact, I, this, this, I've got a lot of stuff I've got to deal with in the house. But do do you have a designated prayer space? And should people create a designated prayer space in their home? I don't have a designated prayer space in my in my house. My wife has one in her in her big old walk-in closet. <laughs> you walk in, in her closet, she has her whole blanket laid out. She got a, her, her uh, Bible over there and her notebook. And sometimes, well, not sometimes, almost every day, our daughters go in there with her towards the end of her prayer time, and they all pray together. You know, so she has a spot. Me, I'm going to get into the bed and just go at it, you know, whatever the case may be. I do suggest that people have a spot in their house for prayer, for meditation, for reading, because that's where you find, that's where you become comfortable. 
And when you're comfortable, you're relaxed, you listen better. When you're comfortable and relaxed and you feel safe, you talk more confidently and even more intimately, especially talking to God. So if someone can take that space, it doesn't have to be a walk-in closet, it doesn't have to be a big space if you got kids like myself or just or you just have an apartment. Find a corner and put your stuff there. There's no book in the Bible or or if you got a MP3 player, my mother-in-law has that. She got a whole speaker over there, her iPod. That is her prayer corner <laughs> in her house. Mm. And I strongly suggest it does help because you know, when I, because of my frame goes, when I get in this spot, this is where stuff changes. You know what I mean? Like when I get mm-hmm. in this spot, this is where I'm going to talk to God and God is going to talk to me and tell me how to deal with my marriage, my business, my everything. God is going to give me peace right here, understanding how to deal with people who get on my nerves. And and that that space is sacred. I do suggest someone have that. Now, because I got three kids, <laughs> I got a nine, seven, <laughs> one-year-old. All right? So so finding this spot is not as easy because I'm daddy. I'm 6'5", 280. I'm also a jungle gym for them. So, <laughs> mm-hmm. But now the, my oldest one, when I do pray, and she may bust in my room and see me praying, she'll tell all that. She's a lady, oh, daddy's praying. And then she'll make sure nobody comes in. <laughs> but if they can find a spot, find it, keep it, and make it sacred. Okay. Now, I, I heard you, you, we talk, you talked about praying for this, that, and the other. Uh, marriage, uh, business, all that type of stuff, and, ta- you know, have taught the people. And every now and then I hear different things about, well, what's God got to do with it? And, you know, I'm just, I guess, as a Christian, that all I, that always throws me for a minute because I'm just so shocked, you know. I mean, even as a kid, somebody would say something like that, and it would just it would throw me for a minute because it was just a shocking thing to me because for me, God is in everything, everything. Right. And so, you know, my thing is if you're not consulting with him in prayer when you're making important decisions in your life, you know, then, you know, I, I believe that what no matter how good something is, it is more susceptible to fall apart if you didn't start with including God first, you know. So, like, with my marriage, I truly believe that that divine intervention was in in play, you know, in terms of, of, you know, my husband and I, you know, deciding to get married. Uh, And I'm thinking that maybe that that's not there for some people. Because even, you know, even when you've necessarily, when you've made the choice to get married, you know, you you still have to continue to consult with God because, you know, it may have been something at the moment, but then, you know, there, somewhere down the road before you get married, you know, God may whisper and say, mm, maybe not, for whatever the reason. Absolutely. And you have to be open to all of that when you make that decision in your marriage, in your business, in, in terms of uh, child rearing and, and child care. Um, all types of things, right? I think what the underlying thing is is that a lot of I've seen this. I've definitely seen it in church. <laughs> a lot of ministers, pastors, preachers, and leaders they tell people just go pray, and it's like, listen, you have to tell them how to trust. 
and and let them and, and walk with them to build their trust in God to talk to them. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And because when yeah. you trust God, when you trust the thing, when you trust God, you and you know He has all things in His hand. He is the Creator of it all. Then you will say, then you will find a reason to talk to Him, even if it be like, you know what, God, I don't know, I don't know you that well, but I know you did this. I know you made this, so I'm talking to you about it. Perfect. But like you said, when you're consulting God on the divine, consulting God for marriage and the divine intervention that is needed. And if, it, if there's any married couple out here that is not praying, uh, you, you, you're, you're having problems and you're in them. <laughs> and you need to talk to God about it regardless. And if you're praying and having problems, keep on praying. But I mean, you have to consult God. And the Bible even talks about that, what happens when you do not consult God before you make decisions in Romans 1. And what we call that, or what it has been called, is a reprobate mind. We don't talk about that much in black churches. We just don't, not at large, of what happens when you do not consult God before you make decisions and you still make that decision. And Romans 1 tells you exactly what happens to your mind and what God does with you. He lets you to your own decisions, and now you're stuck with them. And then people make their own decisions and go back to God asking for grace and help. And then God is like, well, let's go back before you made a decision, and let me tell you what you should should be doing. And people get caught up because when God starts speaking to them and telling them you should never have been in the first place, now it's a fight. So now they're fighting against God and what God is saying. But if you take the time to just talk to God before you make that move, you could have avoided a whole lot of mess, a whole lot of mess. Because I think sometimes, well, I've heard this, uh, well, Pastor Jones, Mr. Jones, God didn't tell me to not do it. Well, what did God tell you to do then? And you don't agree with what he said to do because you don't trust him. You know, like if he told you to do, he told you to walk through that door, but but you but you know your meeting's upstairs and the elevator's broken. You know, you know how to get there, just saying as, a, as an example. Just trust God. He'll get you there. Consult him on anything. I, I trust him. So, oh, goodness. I have learned from other folks' mistakes more than my own to trust them. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. It does. It really does. So, do you have multiple, let's say, multiple designated times during the day that you pray or decide to pray, or are you more of a, of a spontaneous prayer or a combination of both? It, it's both. It's both. Because, um, as you know, sometimes, I, like I think last time I got a call that someone was on life support or someone was a, well, had a bad incident and in the hospital, and I got to go pray for them. But typically, mm-hmm. I like to pray early. I gotta. I have learned for me that the gates of heaven are wide open between 3 and 6 a.m. in the morning. So I'm, I'm up at 4.30 most times praying. Wow. I get up at 4.30. I pray. I talk to God. Everybody sleep. I was up this morning praying. Everybody sleep. I can go lay hands on everybody in the house. They don't even know it, <laughs> you know. Mm. Um, pray for my my son, my daughters, uh, my wife. Um, I pray over the house. Period. You know, it's been several times. My wife will call me. She said, "Why'd you leave oil all over the door?" So I'm like, I was just praying, baby. I was just <laughs> yeah. I wasn't trying to leave a mess. <laughs> I was just praying, you know. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, yeah. I do. I do that. Uh, that's my time with God. You know, it's, it's my time with God. Nothing's going on outside, in my neighborhood at least. And once I get done my 4.30 prayer, I, I typically go back to sleep. And then when I get to my office or get to the church, I pray again. 
Uh, and then when I get, you know, I get stuff across my desk or email, I'll, I'll shoot a little prayer up, things of that nature. But typically, I'm not early morning prayer. I am going to get up. I'm going to pray. I'm, uh, I more than likely won't read scriptures in the morning unless I'm led to, but I'm going to get in that word and just and, and let God talk to me. The good, the crazy thing is sometimes I'm there for like 10 minutes and then sometimes I'm in prayer for like an hour. It depends. It, it just depends, you know, but, I, mm-hmm. but the point is I make sure that I'm there because I feel like that's where God is going to meet me at and I, and I can meet him. So whether I don't care. It's been sometimes God say, I see God will tell me, lay down and rest, and I speak to you through dreams. Amen. I'll go back to sleep, you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I make sure that I am consistently available for God, for prayer. That that means a lot to me, a lot. How, you, you talked about listening, and uh, because we we think of prayer as, I, get, I think we get bogged down in, in this one-way conversation with God, in terms of prayer, but prayer is also listening for the response as well. Correct. I think it's seventy percent listening. Absolutely, mm. listening. Um, I learned this from Miles Monroe. God rest his soul. When he was still alive and still preaching, I had opportunity to uh, to go to his, listen to him one time, speak with him. Um, and he um, he told us all. He said we have to change our mindset about how we go to God in prayer. He said, uh, when you go to God in prayer, he said, it's best or at times it's best to look at it as if you're going before a king, as we are. But he gave an example of how people went before kings in the 17th, 18th, 19th century, way before our time, right? And mm-hmm. he expressed that the people had to, people could go before the king one time a year. And when they went before the king that one time a year, they had an opportunity to tell him or tell tell the king or queen whatever they whatever was going on. They didn't they didn't take that time to go to that king to sit there and complain or ask for something just to have it. When they went, they asked the thing that they needed to change the whole economy for that village or wherever they were living. And he made it seem as if when you go before God, you go before God to talk to him. But when you go to, before God, you wait for the answer, because when, you, when people back in the day wanted to talk go talk to a king or queen, they waited for the answer because the answer is what they wanted. It was the answer from that king is what they needed to be able to have a, a guiding point to do the next step. You follow what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. when we when we go to God, we have to be open to listen to him to find out what to do next. We have to. If you're not listening to God, you're just talking. And he's a very patient, he's a gentleman. God is a real gentleman. He'll listen to you to wait for you to be quiet. A lot of us were ended and say, well, I'm done, Lord, and just in my prayer, amen, and just leave because they're done praying. They're done talking, mm-hmm. not realizing that, okay, God is like, okay, thank you for talking. I hear, I hear everything you're saying. Now I want to tell you this. But do we wait just to hear? I can't tell you how many times I'll just sit there and just listen to God. Even if I, if I have to sing a song or just wait, I'm going to wait for God to speak to me to highlight something to me, to convict me, you know, because I need, in my prayer time, I'm like, I need to know what to do next. I need to know what, how to do it. Who do I talk to? How do I say it? You know, but that comes again with the trust factor. I trust and believe he's going to speak to me. If he speaks to me through a scripture, 
Listen, he. I don't know if you can say this. I'm, you might be able to. He spoke to me through a song before, several songs. So mm-hmm. he can speak in a lot of different ways. But we have to be open to it. And if we close our minds and think God can only speak one way, that's how, that's how we set ourselves up for failure. So how do we get our youth started on the right prayer path? Um, oh, so that great. You, you, you know, I got to ask, and I know you, you got to talk. So, but, you know, I mean, we, we teach them, you know, now I lay me, you know, down to sleep, you know, praying by the bedside yeah. or whatever. We, you know, teach meals and stuff like that. But how do we get them to understand it's more, it's more than that? It's more than a prayer before bedtime or a prayer before meals. You, know, you you open some can of beans here, but how we do that is, is how we show them. Parent doesn't show okay. them, or, or guardian doesn't show them that they won't get it. You know, um, I I preached a couple of weeks ago at Mount Sinai Missionary Baptist Church with Pastor Lance Mills. He, he you know graced me to preach there, and one point that I gave there, um, I told them, told the congregation, I said, our children, all of our children will be physical manifestations of how God is honored inside the home. No question about it. Mm-hmm. However God is honored at home is how God is going to be portrayed to our kids, to the whole world. And if we are not mindful of what we're showing and doing and developing them at home, you know, then we're just left, we're left to have the world teach our children how to respond to everything. And if the world teaches our children how to respond, they're going to respond emotionally, violently, and in a in a malignant in a in a malicious way. If we teach them how to pray and what prayer looks like, and the child can see a prayer answered at home, it changes their whole mind about prayer. I remember when we told our children that we wanted a mortgage-free house. We wrote it on the mirror. We said it every day. The kids are looking at us. What's it say? We, well, mom and dad don't. We don't do debt. We don't want debt for a house. We don't want that. We don't think that that's the will of God for our family. And they have no idea what mortgage is. They're like five or six at this time. But we just told them this is what we're praying for. Long story short, we ended up having a mortgage-free house. Mm-hmm. No mortgage. A brand new house at that in 2018. It was a brand new house just built. And a lady in her closet, in her prayer closet, told the Lord that everything that she has was her was, was God's. And God said, give Natalie and Neil, that's my wife's name, Natalie and Neil, this house. And she surely did. Gave us a house fully furnished, and we have no mortgage. But my daughters were able to see, okay, we prayed for it. God moved, and, we, and it's where we at now. They understand the praise. Like my baby was sick. He said, I prayed, and I asked God to heal me. He didn't heal me yet, though, Daddy. But he will, baby. You know, but they believe and know that my mom and daddy, they pray for stuff and it happens. They see that at home. So if it doesn't yeah. at home, I don't know. I don't, I could, I, I mean, they can get it from a church. You know, somebody can help them, but still they got to take it back at home to get it together. Well, this, that brings me to another point in terms of what to pray for, because you know, to me, you know, I'm like, do I ask for something specific when I'm praying? 
You know, is that a little selfish of me to ask for something specific? And also, too, one of the things that I have to keep being reminded about that uh, I've been told, you know, sometimes uh, when you pray for something, sometimes God says no. And how to respond to that as well. You know, you you need to pray on how to respond to that prayer that may not be answered in the way that you would like it to be. Oh, oh that's hard. I'm not gonna <laughs> I'm not gonna sit here and, and try to mislead you like, like that's so easy to to hear no from something that your heart is set on. But it's not selfish mm-hmm. to ask stuff that you want. It's it's not selfish at all. Um again, he doesn't have to say yes to ask for after you ask for it. But if the answer still be no, um then that's what then that you have to change our perspective on what that note is full is filled with. If you if we tell our children, our teenagers, no, you're not you you are not going to be out past ten thirty, eleven o'clock. Well, why not? Such and such is such and such that. Well, we know what happens after eleven o'clock. It gets kind of dangerous, and I don't want to have to come looking for you. You know, um, mm-hmm. sometimes we have to understand and trust that fathers father know best, daddy know best. God knows what's best for us. Even though it doesn't seem like it could be a harmful thing, I'm just asking for another job, God. I'm asking for a little bit more money, I'm, and you telling me no. Why Why do I have to stay at this job? Well, what if that next job take you, you know, 60 hours a week? You have less time at home, less time for yourself, and then you have more stress that causes more anxiety for your children because you're not there and more stress in your marriage. We don't think about those things. Sometimes it's we just ask things that we want. And I will always tell people, ain't nothing wrong with asking for it. God will tell you yes or no if you listen to him. And we have to trust what God mm-hmm. says and believe it's for the best for, uh, for us. Because without a shadow of a doubt, whatever, we, whatever God does for us, believe me when I say his whole goal is to get glory out of you. That's it. He wants to get the most glory out of you for your purpose in your life. And whatever he tells you, I promise you, it's for the past to give you the to give God the greatest amount of glory through your life, so that your testimony will be great and uplift who God is and not yourself. So when we do go ask for things, we ask according to His will. And how do we find out His will? We, we find out His will by obeying Him and believing in Him and building a relationship with Him. Um, the crazy thing is, we don't see a lot of people in the Old Testament who had a prayer life. You know, we don't see a- Abraham. In Genesis 15, we don't see him having a prayer life. We literally see God tell him to get up and move and go somewhere. And he said, okay, I'll go. And he went. And sometimes for a lot of us, it can be just that simple and or that hard. God is telling you something, do it. And then for other people, we see who, you know, David David prayed. Oh, my goodness. He prayed some of the most intimate prayers I've ever read in my life. You know, because David, David has some issues, you know. <laughs> but mm-hmm. his prayer life. It's, you know, Psalm 51, a beautiful song, you know. Um, he said, you know, do not take your hand away from me, you know. You know, keep your hand upon me, and, you know, all, all that good stuff. But I think as long as we're open and trust God going to give us the best answer to put us in the right position, it will be okay. But if you don't trust him and you're just going to God like a genie, then you're going to run into some other issues. We've been listening and, and talking with uh, Pastor Reverend Neil Jones, who is the youth minister over at Macedonia Missionary Baptist Church 
in Eatonville, Florida. Uh, we also uh, are going to have a uh, hear from uh, Reverend uh, Reverend Holmes. Uh, he we had kind of uh, managed a little time because with him because he's used to being on Denver, Colorado time, um, and so he's going to join us soon. Uh, if, and to, to share with us as well. Uh, so, I guess, how do you? Your guest guess, is on. Oh, okay. So we're going to hear from uh, Reverend uh, Holmes, Reginald Holmes, uh, from uh, Denver, Colorado. Good morning. Well, he's he's on Denver, Colorado time, but he's actually visiting us here in the Sunshine State. How you doing? I'm doing good. Please, my apologies. Uh, no policy late. necessary. Uh, uh, yeah, we've been chatting yeah. also with uh, Minister Neil Jones here, uh, but uh, we were talking a little bit before you got on. We, we talked about a few things, but we were talking a little bit about um, being an example, I guess, to our youth and how to set them on the right path of prayer. Uh, and, and we talked about just how much we need prayer right now. Uh, what are your thoughts? Reverend Holmes On prayer Yes Yeah well My thoughts on prayer And getting youth Or getting anybody into a A committed prayer life Is understanding The purpose of prayer And uh, I was Listening and I I heard someone talk about uh, treating God as though God was a genie. Uh, you you, you kind of uh, use God as a, I call it a holy vending machine. You pop in a prayer and then out pops a blessing. Well, I don't think that's really the purpose of prayer. Uh, Jesus gave us a great teaching on it. And one of the things that that always sticks with me it's Jesus saying, you don't have to pray long prayers. Uh, and he was talking about public praying. And he, he was saying, the reason you don't do that or need to do that is because your father already knows what you need even before you come to him. And so when you have a God like that who already knows your need, and as a God who's all good and he's planning to do nothing but bless and not curse, then you go to God with a confidence, but you also go to God knowing that it ain't really about you getting your answer. It's about you getting God's answer. And to get God's answer, you have to put yourself in a place that you can receive whatever it is God decides to do and when God decides to do it. We don't always know when a prayer is going to be answered, but it's not always instantaneous. It's not always the vending machine God or the genie God who will give us whatever we need uh, simply because we asked him. Sometimes we ask amiss. The scriptures say it. So I think it's important that when you go to prayer, you first line yourself up to receive God's answer and not necessarily your answer. You know, there's a lot going on right now um, 
with our society. There's a lot, with the, especially um, in terms of the economy, especially in terms of gun violence. Um, how do you get on one accord to to pray for these types of issues? Um, you know, I know we all probably pray for the pray on these issues. Um, you know, Sunday morning, uh, uh, the obvious place. But you know, should you know? Do you like try to get with your neighbors? Do you try to get with your family? Do you set a time on the phone or on the internet to come together? Because I, I feel in this particular, these particular situations, you have to do that. Uh, thing where they talk about two or more are gathered in his name. Uh, Pastor Holmes, I'm going to let you start with, you know, talking about that, and then uh, Minister Jones. Yeah, I, I think one of the, the ways that, that we're going to have to uh, address guns and violence, it, it's not going to be any one way. It's going to have to be several ways. And the toughest way of all, not many in the church really want to deal with it. It's easy for us to throw up a prayer or to have mm-hmm. a prayer service and to believe somehow that, that that alone is fulfilling this great need we have to stop this. It's going to have to involve something that a whole lot of believers don't want to deal with. They don't want to get outside of the comfort of the four walls and really speak mm-hmm. truth to power. We, 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 we're tough inside our four walls. Oh, we'll, we'll, we'll take on lions in the lion's den inside our four walls. We'll take on Pharaoh, chasing, all, all, we'll take that on inside the four walls. But when it comes to speaking truth to power, so I see the problem as many, many fold. You you, got to deal with your politics because until you change laws, until people are going to have some punitive repercussions for the way they use their guns, you're not going to see a change. We did it with cars. I know people say, well, Guns don't kill people. Well, cars don't kill people either, but we made laws to protect ourselves against drunk driving. We made laws to protect ourselves with people driving without proper insurance because we said accidents were not acceptable in our culture, but yet we accept these guns with no laws whatsoever. So I think Christians are going to have to spend so much, they're going to spend far less time online, on Facebook, on these places, posting pictures about food and where they went and what they did. You, you know, if you're a believer, you ought to be using, if you're on social media, you ought to be using that as a way to witness, as a way to say something, you know, because that's the only weapon that we have. The only weapon we have is our word. The word is what is power. So we've got to speak it when we can. We've got to write it when we can. We've got to talk to our children about it. We've got to be responsible gun owners ourselves. If we got guns in the house, 
you've got to you've got to you've got to secure them, and maybe it's not a bad idea to teach children about gun ownership, gun usage, gun everything. We're not going to remove the guns because our government is for sale. And so until we get a government that can no longer be bought off by lobbyists, in this case the gun lobbyists, then nothing is going to change. We can pray to kingdom come. Unless we force people to make better decisions or people force themselves to make better decisions about guns, Nothing is going to happen. I think uh, Trevor Holmes hit it on the head. Um, there has to be how to get on one accord to make something happen. It's a layered, it's a very much layered uh, answer. A lot of things have to happen. Um, but, 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 yeah, we can come together, local community, local churches and local groups, we can pray together and get on one accord to have a, and focus the praying on the thing. Yet, um, it's one, it's one of those things about prayer. People have a hard time understanding, like, you pray, you pray like God can, and you pray like God will, but you have to work like God can and work like God will too. You got to give God something to work with. And, we don't have control over the lobbyists, the government, things of that nature. We don't have control over this, over the economy or even nature itself. What we have to do is mm-hmm. be mindful of that we have, what we can't control is be mindful that we have to pray and be mindful of it and use the tools we have to continue to express and share the gospel. I think because we have watered down the gospel so much and we have given so many alternative and backward ways to believe and get to God that people don't even understand how powerful the gospel is and how powerful prayer can be when two or more are gathered. When we get together and we are intentional about praying for something and intentional about this, we pray about it, we work towards it, and we do what we can to get things to, get things to change. An uh, issue as big as gun law, the gun laws is that nature. Uh, Pastor Holmes hit that on the head. That's, that's an in-depth thing that the system the government has is pretty terrible when it comes down to how we deal with guns. But we got to work. We have to start with what we can start with. Let me even go before that, though, because, you know, we talked, you mentioned automobiles, you mentioned guns, and we can legislate those type of things all day. How do we, I guess, legislate, if you will, or manage uh, I guess mental health or poor mental, poor uh, character, those types of things. Because the, before the person gets to the gun or or whatever tool they're going to use, if you want to call it that, or weapon, they have to have made a, a decision or been pro- provoked or even um, possessed before they, you know, mm-hmm. decided on the means to carry out the sin, okay? So I guess what my question is, you know, how, you know, how do we, what could we pray for, I guess, or how do we pray for those people that are, are you know, dealing with inclinations toward violence, or who don't know other answers instead of violence. And the reason I say that, we're seeing a lot of gun violence, but if, if you know, you recall, Minister Jones, when we first talked, started the conversation, 
we talked about one situation where um, the person uh, killed somebody on a subway in New York with a chokehold because they thought they were doing the right thing, protecting the other mm-hmm. passengers or whatever the case may be. Uh, why is why is it for some people primary inclination to resolve a situation is violence? Uh, I would say that's what it is. Go ahead, go ahead, Pastor Holmes. No, go ahead, Doc. Oh, I, I would say that's they 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 afraid themselves. That fight or flight is, is a real thing. And if someone has to, if someone feels that they have to go that far to um to be safe, that's um they they're afraid themselves of something. I my people from Alabama and Georgia and they'll tell you real quick, a scared man will kill you. You know, so that, that's how it goes for me. Yeah, it would be more of a thing where it's like someone's afraid of something, don't want something to happen to themselves, so they'll react in the most intense way without thinking about anything. Um, That is what also something we need to pray for, that people have just a sense to act, just to think, you know, but that's where my mind goes. That incident with others like that, you're afraid of something to think you got to kill somebody to be safe unless you are defending yourself. Yeah, I agree. I agree with Pastor Jones. I think that you, you know you you take it back even further. That, that fear word that he used is is the optimum word, fear. Uh, I, I believe the Word of God said, "Perfect love will will mm-hmm. cast out all fear." And 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 if we're not operating in love, and I think that that's why we must continue to preach the gospel and 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 what we think is the gospel it isn't the gospel the gospel is preaching to all people that God loves you that God gave his only son to die for you because of his great love God so loved and so if we don't preach love and we have it, if we don't show love not just preach it but show it uh, I, I think Pastor was correct when he said, uh, he said, you you know, the thing that I've heard says you, you pray as though it all depends on God and you work as if it all depends on you. And, and, and a lot of times the saints of God stop with prayer. They end with prayer. But prayer in terms of the whole, prayer slash work slash action uh, piece, it, it means you start with prayer. You don't end with prayer. You start with prayer. And then you move into action because faith without works is dead. What, what, mm. what the politicians are smokescreening us around is that they want us to believe uh, that every issue is a mental health issue. And so when mm-hmm. you take mental health and, and blanket everything around mental health, then no one really has any fault in the matter. And nobody wants to be able to say somebody made a bad choice. Somebody made mm-hmm. a bad decision. Every bad decision is not a mental health issue. We're going to give mental health 
a better name than it already has. If we're saying mm-hmm. everybody who, what happened to Caesar? Whatever happened, mm-hmm. you made a mm-hmm. bad decision. You made a mm-hmm. bad choice. And until you make it punitive, really punitive, for bad actors with guns, then we're going to continue to have this issue where we're not addressing this issue seriously. And I think to me, until we get to that place where we understand that it ain't going to be through your praying alone, you're going to have to pray and be woke. Did I I call you to pray with me for one hour and I came back and you sleeping? Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, you still mm. because some governor told you to be to be sleep. You better not wake up. That's anti the gospel. You got to pray mm. and you got to be awake. You got to you got to know the danger that is around mm-hmm. you. Somebody telling you you can't talk, you can't speak, you can't protest, you can't do nothing. And all I want you to do is stay asleep. And the church mm. ain't fighting against that. The church ain't saying nothing. Somebody's telling you to do something against the will of God. He said, can't you pray for me for one hour? What are you doing sleeping? I need you to be watching. I need you to be speaking. I need you to warn. I need you to do something but sleeping. And now you're going to turn around and neglect your responsibility to be awake to say something, to do something, you're going to get neglect that responsibility and put everything on God. Now, Lord, we prayed about it. Yeah, you prayed about it, but you ain't done nothing about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, we got um, a few minutes left, and so um, <laughs> I wanted to ask each of you, and I wanted to give you more time, but we got into some really good conversation. Will each of you, I'm going to start with you, uh, Minister Holmes, uh, just share a quick prayer for us to get, for, for those who, who haven't gotten into it today, to give some food for people to carry with them through not only today, but, you know, for life. Just really quick. Father, we ask you to strengthen our steps, order our steps, and, Lord, you do the walking. You do the talking, but God help us to discern and to be in tune with you that we might know how to go forward and do our part. But, Lord, we know that you're going to do yours. Help us to do ours. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Uh, Spirit of the living God, rest upon us, rest through us, rest in us. Father, we thank you for life, health, and strength. And, Father, we ask you now and forever that you forgive us for all of our sins, known and unknown, by deed, action, or in thought. Father, we believe and know you are the true and living God. You sent your son to live, to die on that cross and rise again with all power as he still intercedes for us today. So, Father, give us a heart to believe. Give us the endurance to be wise and to ask questions and to be humble and to know that you will never leave us nor forsake us. Guide us and keep us in every way. In Christ's name we pray for heaven always. Amen. 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 Minister Jones, Reverend Holmes, thank you both so much for being with us today and sharing with us today and getting us on the right track. And we look forward to having you all back really soon. 
Um, before we go, I uh, just want to share something with you all tonight uh, at uh, Habitat for Humanity of Greater Orange and Osceola County is having a hurricane prep information session tonight um, uh, at the Greater Orlando and Osceola County um, Habitat for Humanity on 4116 Silver Star Road um, in Orlando, 32808. Um, It's to help you prepare for hurricane season. Some of us still haven't recovered from the last one. Uh, We need to pray for those people as well, but we also need to take action and help those people as well. But this is about learning how to protect your home. It's um, at at, uh, tonight at 6 p.m., 6 p.m. You can register online. I have posted it on the G's Power Hour uh, Facebook page. Unfortunately, I can't go, but please do go and and get the information needed and share it with everybody. But please register so that you can attend. And thank you all for listening. This has been G's Power Hour on Never Had It So Good Entertainment. I am your host, G. God willing, talk with you tomorrow. Be well, be safe, be blessed, and please remember, all real power comes from God. Take care.